but the reason why anybody else would want to get into LinkedIn, if you're in B2B, it's going to be LinkedIn because it just makes sense. That's the niche. That's where people expect to learn about business and career stuff. So if you have business and career content, then well, people are looking for that on LinkedIn. It makes sense to post it on LinkedIn. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, anyone who want to learn more about content reach. Welcome. Today we are going to discuss how you can win customers, users to get this organic reach because it's hard. All topics are overwhelmed, overpriced. It's hard to get your attention, but you can if you are creative. If you can test, if you can find some channels that then Sanchez can share with us. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Dang, that video intro was awesome. I was like, wow, I need a video like that for my own podcast. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you, you you need to hire a great team because uh, I want to confess, uh, I have no idea how to create these videos, but I have great team. <laughs> I yeah. tell them, please create something new concise, interesting, creative, um, and yeah, uh, I don't limit their possibilities to create such promo videos, but cool. it works well. well done. Yeah. <laughs> then, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Was am a marketer. I've been a marketer for, you know, 12 plus years, and originally I was very much a demand generation marketer, someone using essentially direct response tactics to get people from paid ads to landing page to email sequence to sales man and i was killing it with that and then one day it all just started crashing down i was working for this university and we had tripled the size of the university on the back of google adwords and facebook ads and the rest were referrals you know that was the gravy on top and a lot of people have lived that life too where they're like killing it with paid media and all of a sudden it just started slowing down and then it started plateauing and no amount of split testing the ads and landing pages could ever make up for it. We started going from plateauing to even shrinking the amount of leads and students we were able to get within within a year. And I was like, what is going on? Like we're doing everything like that's possible to do on paid media, what the heck? And it's led me on this long journey of diversifying away from paid media and i love paid media it's a great game you it's a, it's the fastest one to get up and running and to find something to get it working um but it has it has some major fallbacks on it and that it's not good for the long term so i started doubling down on owned media i actually got a job at sweetfish working as the director of audience growth and i worked there for three years advising b2b mostly b2b SaaS companies on how to grow their podcast but do you know what the funny thing about growing a podcast is? It's really hard. <laughs> like yeah. you can you can optimize for search somewhat within uh, the podcast app. So there's a little bit there, but generally people only find out about podcasts from elsewhere and join podcasts from elsewhere. That's why I'm excited I'm on a live one here because if this were just recorded and then syndicated on a podcast, uh, it probably, it's harder to build an audience there. By syndicating it out live, it gets in front of more people. So I had to learn how to grow an audience, not just with a podcast, but on LinkedIn with newsletters and across different channels in order to grow a podcast. And it was the answer to the problem I'd run into before because the problem I had before was that paid media can only scale so high. 
and eventually you run out. But nowadays, you need to not just scale your paid media, you need to scale your owned media so that you don't have the problem that I ran into where you level off and at worst start to fall because ad prices are going up and you don't have any control over it. With owned media, you get to keep the control. You get to keep the attention. So we needed to have a good paid media game as well as a good owned media game in order to grow. Yeah, nice, valuable. I agree. But I think it's better to mix you know, paid media and oh, yeah. organic reach uh, because for if you have some high quality products, unique products, probably you don't need organic reach and you can pay attention with paid media. And I have a few clients who use only paid marketing. It works well, uh, but the product is unique uh, and uh, they actually have no big competitors. Uh, but for most projects, it's better to pay attention to organic reach uh, as I do. I also grow on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and uh, you mentioned that we are live streaming and I usually kill a few birds with one stone because we live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. Then we convert to audio format, Spotify, Apple, Google. Then we convert to TikTok, YouTube short videos, Instagram. So a lot of job, but uh, if you have a team who can handle the process, if you can use tools, and we have some great AI tools that can uh, divide your episodes to cut, uh, create some short videos. I don't know how these tools can do it, but <laughs> these tools can. And yeah, it works well. Then. Uh, I'm interested about your podcast. Can you tell uh, the main difference between your podcast and many other podcasts? We have a million podcasts today, a lot of them, but why your podcast is better? What kind of value can you bring that others come? Right. So what's the what's the value prop? What's the difference between my podcast and all the other podcasts I'm marketing out there? Um, in my podcast, I'm really exploring a new topic. I don't know why it's new. It shouldn't be new but around the topic of audience growth. It's not a commonly tread topic. Usually we're talking about content marketing, but what is content marketing? You can use content in your paid media. You're doing content in your earned media when you're pitching to journalists. We're doing content that's about our product. We're doing content that's top of the funnel. So what the heck are we talking about? When I single it down and niched it down to audience growth, I'm talking about building owned media specifically. There's not a lot of people talking about just that one topic of how to grow an audience, but I feel like it's becoming a bigger and bigger part of, or needs to be a bigger and bigger part of everyone's strategy in order to actually have the growth that they're hoping for, right? Nobody does all this content marketing hoping that, or just hoping for a few likes and comments. No, they're putting all this effort and money and, and, and attention into content marketing so that they can grow an audience but it's usually an afterthought. Oh, we published the article, what's the next article, right? Not what are we going to do in order to grow an audience so that people want to come back again and again, not, how to, not just how to acquire, but how to retain them and then how to build, you could say, elevate them into a, a, a movement so that people are referring people into the audience itself. So that's the difference with my podcast is I'm covering the essentially content marketing, but through the angle of audience growth. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And I like that you have this uh, lead generation experience because I often see when marketers chase high volume uh, likes, comments, but yeah, I have a few posts on LinkedIn with plus 300,000 traffic, a lot, a lot of traffic, you know, uh, but um, 
I didn't get sales from this post just uh, uh, I, I usually test a lot uh, different approaches and I often see when uh, someone pays attention to uh, getting more traffic without thinking about traffic volume it doesn't work yeah. and but someone who has experience with sales with lead generation they can find the right strategy can you tell your methods how to do it i mean like how to find the right topics that will sell your products in there it's totally possible to grow an audience and have it not and not be able to connect that back to revenue um I, i'd say it's rare i haven't seen a lot of people grow an audience and be like oh crap i can't sell the audience that's <laughs> uh, it's usually the other way around where they struggle to grow an audience but of course we know we know there's creators out there who go out set out to build an audience and that's not bad either. You can grow an audience and then reverse engineer the kind of stuff they would buy. But most of the time, if you're talking to content marketers, they're already working for a business that has a specific thing that they sell. So you do have to make sure you're building an audience of the right people. Otherwise, a lot of your work is going to be in vain. Mm -hmm. Can you tell why you decided uh, to pay more attention to LinkedIn? We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, <laughs> many great social media platforms. And uh, let me share my story because in 2020, I decided to uh, grow my audience on LinkedIn as well. But I tried the approach that Gary V usually shares online. You need to be everywhere on all social media. And I tried. I tried Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere, LinkedIn. And my best results were like 5, 10 followers a day, a few hundred views, nothing special. Then I switched all my attention to LinkedIn and results uh, and we got results because of paying attention to one specific channel it's not only to create content it's more how to engage with the audience how to help them support uh, but if you wanna help everywhere <laughs> you, can, you can become jack of all trades so tell your uh, thoughts about LinkedIn and why you decided to uh, pay more attention with LinkedIn the reason why I got into LinkedIn was more circumstantial, and I'll kind of tell the story, but the reason why anybody else would want to get into LinkedIn, if you're in B2B, it's going to be LinkedIn because it just makes sense. That's the niche. That's where people expect to learn about business and career stuff. So if you have business and career content, well, people are looking for that on LinkedIn. It makes sense to post it on LinkedIn, right? Um, you could post it elsewhere, but like you said, you can only go so deep on all the different platforms. And it's my opinion, as I think it is yours, that you should just double down on one max two platforms at a time until you're able to establish and grow an audience there and then maybe add other channels. Um, and my first my first big channel was LinkedIn, trying to grow an audience. I, I'd even say like before that was SEO, but I don't really consider SEO to be audience growth as much as it is a discovery panel that can become audience growth. Um, I was just brand new at Sweetfish. It was a B2B podcast agency. The founder was already big on LinkedIn and he encouraged me. He's like, Dan, you got a lot of good stuff to say. You need to get started on LinkedIn. So I did. And I was working in the B2C world and wasn't connected to a lot of marketers. And probably after a decade of like, I have a stack of books behind me. If you watch this on video, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I'd been reading and reading and testing and doing stuff that I think a lot of people hadn't persevered through. Oh, there it is. You can see the stack of books behind me. I read a lot of marketing books. I have two marketing degrees. I, I think about it all the time. It's my job and my hobby. And so pent up, just pent up 10 years. I'd wanted to make content about it. Didn't know where to put it. So I started posting on LinkedIn and I had James as this like, 
you know, at the time he had about the same amount of following I have now. And he was commenting on all my posts, giving me distribution through those comments. And I was also a new host on B2B Growth, which was a large B2B podcast. It's kind of created the trifecta of me bringing skill in, uh, coming into an existing community of James and his friends and having... I don't know, authority by being able to speak on this pretty well listened to podcast, which really elevated me on LinkedIn. So, but I also put in like three hours a day into it. So it, it grew a little, it grew fairly fast because of all those factors. Some of it being luck, some of it being time. Um, 2020 happened to be a really good year for LinkedIn too. <laughs> a lot of people were losing their jobs and spending extra time on that platform. But why would LinkedIn be a good for anybody else other than the fact that it's just good for B2B because people do business content? I think it's easier to grow on LinkedIn than other, than just about any other channel, especially in the beginning stages. There's a few different reasons for that. There's just more ways to get discovered on LinkedIn. On Twitter, you better hope your tweets go viral. That's kind of all you got to hit for is hoping that someone influential retweets your tweet, man. So you're building relationships with the, the influencers in order to get that that repost button clicked. On LinkedIn, it's easier, though, because you don't need people to click repost. It helps if they do. But on LinkedIn, posts get shared when people comment on them. And that's kind of unique. Um, that happens a little bit on Facebook, but it happens the most on LinkedIn. So trying to build conversations is something anybody can do from any part. Even if you only have five followers from your past five jobs, you could start commenting on everybody else's stuff and participating in the conversations and going and directly connecting with the people who are also active in the comments for a while to build an initial traction. So with just those few little tactics, you can grow an audience on LinkedIn. Even if you're not posting, you're just participating in the comments let alone posting and those going viral themselves and building, building, bringing in some following. But there's a lot of different ways to grow on LinkedIn. It's a search engine. Uh, your content can go viral. You can build and actually build relationships and have people expect and look for your content. There's just so many ways to win on LinkedIn that if you're building a career or you're trying to reach a business audience, it's kind of a no-brainer for me to start off on LinkedIn as a, as a primary growth platform. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, the last time I can see when, um, sorry for my dogs, they usually take part in my podcast, you know, <laughs> to share uh, their thoughts about that. And uh, the last time I can see more uh, many B2B brands jump on TikTok, you know, <laughs> we can tell it's for youngsters. And once I ask my son to search in Google, he asked me some questions, I, I replied, search in Google. And he did on, on TikTok. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the last time I can see many brands jump on TikTok uh, because uh, it's simpler to win organic reach and accounts with zero followers can become viral. It's hard to do at any other social media, only on TikTok you can. But LinkedIn, I agree, organic reach is high even today. Uh, we still have room. And you mentioned about uh, some algorithms that can help uh, comments, uh, engagement. And um, once I spoke with Agile Wilcox and he shared me some secrets because uh, he spoke with uh, LinkedIn uh, employees and they told me the most important algorithm on LinkedIn commenting, but uh, extended comments, not like, thank you. Yeah. If you, yep. someone can spend time to write meaningful comment, it's the best algorithm. And I see when many LinkedIn content creators can 
manipulate the system, you know, to use AI comments, to uh, to use in different groups. I never take part on that. I have no time with that, but uh, I see it works. It works, so I don't recommend to anyone. Can you tell about how to get real comments? I mean, like how to uh, encourage your audience to leave comments, to share their thoughts, and yeah, to build communities by commenting. <laughs> So it's one of those things where if, if you want people to comment on your posts, you need to sew into that by commenting on other people's posts, right? So if you mm -hmm. want people to comment on yours, you got to go comment on theirs. And it's really about building relationships with people. So that's why you need to go comment on their posts, not to just throw your two cents on their posts, but to ask genuine questions. Say like, hey, I love what you said here. I love this part of it. Actually, I have a question. Do you mean this or that? I'm curious and actually lean in with the genuine curiosity and actually build report that way. Um, it's a great way to actually have dialogues and to build relationships with people, um, especially if you're giving them. Sometimes it's just a shout out like, hey, you accomplished a thing. Bam. That's a big deal. I remember when it happened for me. It was a huge thing. You know, it's um, you think about like it's classic like Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. You take that kind of position and you bring it to the comment game in LinkedIn, um, maybe even watching how other people do it well. Like, what are other people saying and joining in on their conversations and their comments? I've even had people give me feedback in my comments, being like, Dan, you're being a little bit too critical lately. I'm like, oh, thank you so much for that insight. I need to take it a little bit more optimistic, right? This, this isn't Twitter. Twitter's critical and mean sometimes. On LinkedIn, we're, we try to keep it constructive and positive, which is one of the things I love about it. So if you're building community by commenting and having actual conversations, real dialogue with other creators, um, even other people in the comments, chances are if they're engaging with you, they're going to see your posts. So that's number one. It's almost priming the algorithm because LinkedIn's paying attention to that being like, well, what if I saw Chris Smith on LinkedIn and I went and engaged with them and he engaged with me and we had a little back and forth. Well, guess what? Chris Smith is going to be highly, it's going to be highly likely that Chris Smith sees my next LinkedIn post. LinkedIn's picked up on the fact that we had a little conversation saying, oh, Dan Chaz's post is going to be relevant to Chris. We're going to put it in front of him. So how do you get more people to comment on your post now that they're seeing your post? You have to ask a good question at the end of your post. Put out a good post, good hook, good meat in the, in the post itself. And then you have to ask a question. This is kind of an art, but you have to ask a question that is easy to answer but still related to what you were actually talking about in the post if you ask him for a, what's your what's your theory as to why this hard problem isn't is hasn't been solved yet people are like oh, i don't know i don't know why no one solved that yet they're just they if they can't think of it quickly they'll just keep scrolling but if you ask yeah. a question that like they'll know off the top of their head like hey i'm getting started in content marketing i've been doing direct ads for a long time and I'm, i haven't even made a blog post before somebody tell me a book about content marketing that's helped you so i can get started do you know how many comments you would get a lot because a lot of marketers on there for me because that's my community would be able to think of at least one or two books immediately that they've read on content marketing so it's easy for them to answer so if you give people an easy way to answer that's meaningful you're going to get more comments because you're asking for it in the post nice you know you don't hide it, my secrets that I usually do. <laughs> now I ask simple questions and it works. Uh, people are busy. They have no time to think and figure out what kind of answer 
you want to get, but if you ask simple questions, it works. And you mentioned about Dale Carnegie. No, I have the feeling that Dale Carnegie wrote a book about digital more than about people. Uh, because every everything that he shared about personalization, about human being, about uh, sharing value, no, I think it works on digital. Uh, I like uh, the book from Joe Sugarman. He wrote this book uh, because of experience before digital, but all insights are related to digital. And uh, in the in the beginning of LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, not probably TikTok, but uh, I mean like uh, old social Joe, media. Joe yeah. Sugarman, the the copywriter handbook. Yeah, yeah, this book. Oh, it's it's awesome book. Awesome, I love it. I love it. And you know. He can win attention. When I read this book, uh, I, I forgot about water, about sleep, about anything. I read this book. So valuable, so interesting to read, non-boring. Uh, and yeah, uh, I remember Jim Edwards from Business Insider told me uh, he worked in Business Insider 10 years. And he started on this company from scratch. Then company was sold for $500 million, great success. And he told me, that success of business insider depends on creating non-boring content. If you read Joe Sugarman, uh, business insider, you, you you enjoy, you know, you like it. It's not boring. Can you tell about your methods, how to create non-boring content? Because it's very important today, especially how to win readers in, in the beginning. Yeah, let's, let's talk about this with LinkedIn specifically. I had a revelation. This is kind of early because this is, this is just a feeling, a gut feeling I had on where LinkedIn's at because I, like you started on LinkedIn 2020. So I've been watching it kind of go in and out for three years and it's gone through seasons of less reach or more reach for me. I got 25,000 followers. I'm reaching probably between 20 and 30,000 impressions a, a week. Um, sometimes more, sometimes less right now. I feel like there's fatigue on LinkedIn. And I think it's because so many people have started posting on LinkedIn. Maybe there's less attention on LinkedIn too. Yeah. But what I'm starting to see is a lot of posts that don't get a ton of engagement. And I think it's because people are getting tired of the pontification. As in people saying things on LinkedIn that they just have feelings about, that they think is right, or they're just regurgitating from other places they've seen. So... What do you do? Because we all pontificate to some degree. Like we have a theory about why content's not working. I'm pontificating right now, <laughs> believe it or not. So, so this isn't a good example. Mm -hmm. um, but I still feel like this is this is where we're currently at with LinkedIn. The posts that are doing remarkably well are when you actually have case studies with numbers to show evidence of what you've done. Not what you're doing, not what you're going to do, but things that you've accomplished that are remarkable. Those posts, there's probably always going to be a place for those posts. People want those posts. They want to see success. They want to know how to re reproduce success. And it's it's much more believable when you're like, hey, I just grew a brand new website from zero to 500,000 page views in organic traffic from SEO. Here's what I learned. That post would do pretty well because mm -hmm. you'd have the nice. little diagram of the site going up and it's undeniable. Look, the site's getting the traffic. Let's figure it out how he did it, right? So what do you do if you don't have that? Because let's be honest, we're not all going to have those kinds of posts all the time, right? You just can't have that many wins because you have to have more failures on the way to the win. Yeah. So what do you do? 
and I've had this insight over a couple of weeks ago, so I'm starting to dig back into it, is if you can't, if you don't have something to show, be a student. Lead with curiosity. Don't pretend to know. Instead, ask better questions than you do giving giving answers of stuff you don't have when you don't have something to show for it. So recently I started posting about wanting to learn more about lead magnets. I've read my favorite marketing book that I've just recently picked up. It's become my number one book is $100 million offers by Alex Hermosi. Just came out not long ago. If you haven't heard of them, then go check go check him out. He's kind of taken over social media in the business world. Mm-hmm. Um, he just launched his marketing book. And he emphasizes lead magnets, like a free piece of content that you can gate to get someone interested and in your service or product um, that you can give away for free. I've done lead magnets. I've learned about them before. I've tried them multiple times. I've had success with them. But I realized the way he was playing it was at a totally different level than I was playing it. He's playing it at the Olympic level, and I've been playing at the JV boys volleyball team level. (laughs) I'm like, dang, I have a lot to learn about that. So I recently put out a call. I'm like, who's got knowledge on this? Who's done this well? I want to hear your stories. So on my podcast, I'm doing tons of interviews about this now. I'm reading all the books about it. I'm actively creating a database of all the different kinds of lead magnets that I'm learning. In the meantime, I'm talking about it on LinkedIn. I'm documenting the process. Those posts are going really well, not because I'm pontificating and showing about something that I know. I'm just taking people with me on their journey as I dive into this little niche topic within marketing. It's a tiny little topic within marketing, but I'm unpacking everything there is to know about it and what I'm learning along the way. It's going much better. So on LinkedIn right now, and I'd probably say this probably goes for Twitter. This probably goes for a lot of content channels because everybody's got a voice. If you don't have something to show, lead with curiosity be a student again and just be excited about one tiny little thing and unpack everything there is to know about it i find is going relatively well and anybody can do it you could be a student fresh out of college and do this relatively well um and that's what i'm finding is working right now with actually getting people interested it's coming from that angle of curiosity diving deep into something and bringing people with you awesome valuable um i remember neil patel said that He's a student, I'm a student, Ren Fishkin is a student, and even Elon Musk said in his interview with college students that he's a student <laughs> because uh, if you stop learning, that means someone will replace you and you're in trouble. Uh, all technologies are growing fast and according to what works on LinkedIn, I don't know, you know, uh, sometimes I can get engagement. But LinkedIn is changing algorithms and uh, I often see it and I remember when I posted about some new changes uh, and got requests from Bridget Heisen. Uh, she has 4 million followers, a lot of followers, she's a big influencer and she asked me, do you know what's going on with LinkedIn <laughs> engagement? I checked, wow, <laughs> she has 4 million followers and she is asking me about uh, LinkedIn engagement. So yeah, because uh, it's a quickly changing well. We need to test, and uh, as you mentioned, it's better to uh, yeah to test, to go ahead, to find what actually will work. And we are students; we need to adapt to learn. Uh, and then I wanna ask about AI. Today it's hard to ignore this topic. I get a lot of questions about AI. Today, if I open email, I can uh, generate reply with AI. 
if I open Google Doc, I can create text with AI. I use ChatGPT, Bart. On LinkedIn, you can create content with AI. You don't need to use ChatGPT. Just click uh, uh, post new content and you LinkedIn uh, gives this tool. Can you tell, is it good idea to use AI? Because most content creators complain it's, it kills uh, creativity. What do you think about that? I use AI more and more every day. I was just using it to help me flesh out my podcast. I just got off a podcast recording this morning and I spent an hour running it through cast magic that turned that podcast episode into a titles. It gave me a bunch of title ideas. This time I ended up writing it myself. It gave me a blog post. It gave me timestamps. It gave me all that content. I went to mid journey, created a thumbnail for it from mid journey AI. Um, and I'm using ChatGPT all the time as this like crazy assistant. I've asked it for legal advice. I've asked it for ideation help. I've asked it to proofread stuff and give it back to me edited. Um, it's it's so it's so good. It's like this is amazing assistant that never says no and always works instantly. It's done. You know, it's fantastic. If it were good at writing LinkedIn content, I would use it. But at, currently. Link, chat GPT and all the other AI writers do not know how to write for LinkedIn. Just saying it. It, it can, it, you can ask it to write you for LinkedIn. You know what it's funny is if you, if you sign up for my newsletter um, and you read the content, there's always a video and then there's always a written section. I always take the transcript from the video, put it into chat GPT and say, Hey, write a LinkedIn post based on this transcript and do it in the first person as me. Then I take that and use that for a newsletter because that content that it writes for, for LinkedIn is actually better newsletter content than it is LinkedIn content. There's a style of writing for LinkedIn and ChatGPT doesn't hit it. If it did, I would use it, but currently to this very day, it does not do LinkedIn well. There is a, if, I don't know, if you've been writing on LinkedIn for a time, you know what LinkedIn's supposed to look like and what people are looking for and how to, how to hook people, get them in and then ask a good question. AI doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah. So I, yes, nice. I use AI all the time for almost everything else, but not mm -hmm. that. Yeah. You know, I, the last time I speak with ChatGPT more often than with my wife, you know, because <laughs> I'm asking a lot of questions <laughs> and yeah, I like this tool, but I agree. You need, I think it's better to use like in the smart way because we edit a lot with ChatGPT. I can write a bad copy. And I can ask ChatGPT to edit, and uh, it works well. Uh, we use for uh, press releases. We got mentions on CNN, Business Insider, Dow Jones, because we we help some investing trading websites to uh, get media coverage, and it works well. If CNN can publish your press release, it's quality. Yeah. <laughs> but if I ask ChatGPT to create this content from scratch, I can't get any, even I do, even mediocre content, yeah, some generic. But if you write a bad copy, ChatGPT can convert to a good copy. Uh, then I want to ask about one controversial question um, because um, different opinions. Uh, and for example, if we, um, uh, let, let's start with Gary Vee. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, he shares, you need to post as much as possible. Uh, and he once said, if he has time to post 
24 hours a day he will do but he has no this time and usually post like three five times a day and he recommends to post a lot uh, another opinion is to post quality because you can create quality when you use quantity it's hard to pay attention to craft content to improve it and it takes time uh, so can you tell how to find the balance between quantity and quantity because i think it's hard to get quality without having quantity uh, you yeah. need to acquire this experience i remember when mr beast said about that he uh, you need to film 100 bad videos film 100 bad videos then think about quality so yeah. any tips about that <laughs> Yeah, the path, the path to quality is quantity. And I think we know that you just look at any world class anything and you see a lot of practice time. Well, practice for creating content looks like freaking creating content, right? Otherwise, it, practice doing soccer, like my son's in soccer, and we're in soccer season right now, is him spending more time playing soccer. So we're just going to more games, traveling around, playing better people. And he loses a lot. I'm like, that's okay. You're getting in your reps. You have to practice more for content. You just have to take more freaking reps in order to get good. And then you finally get good. And if you want to scale further, yeah, it becomes about quality and quantity, right? So the quantity never really goes away. Sure, you, it's totally possible to differentiate and not post that often too. Um, you can make that a thing. Like John, what is his name? Um, the guy, the engineer, YouTuber who does all the kids engineering videos, um, I Josh mm -hmm. Rober, something Rober. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. He only posts once a month and there he did the squirrel maze. If you remember in 2020, when he made that little squirrel obstacle course, he's kind of well known for that. He's known for like his glitter bombs on YouTube is that the porch pirates take and then they blow up with glitter. Um, he, he only posts once a month. They're fantastic. I know a podcaster that only posts once, maybe twice a year. They're five hour long episodes. Breaks all the rules. Has is one of the most downloaded podcasts of all time. Uh, nice. Hardcore history with Dan Carlin. Fantastic podcast. So you can break the rules, but if you're gonna break it, break it strategically. <laughs> yeah. You have to kind of like know what you're doing in order to do that well. Um, for most of us mere mortals, just take more reps. And I think with TikTok specifically, like if you're doing short form video you kind of have unlimited at bats anyway. Some some creators will just like post two of the almost nearly identical videos anyway with different titles on it just to see which one does better because TikTok's going to show your video or it's not. It's not like in a feed base where it's it's the algorithm works like YouTube where your next one is going to be somewhat predicated on the reach of your last video. TikTok you just take more at bats and swing. So it kind of depends on where you're going, but more is better. Even on LinkedIn, where I think the optimal is two, max three a day. Honestly, if you're posting 10 times a day, you'll probably just get more insights faster. I know Chris mm -hmm. Walker, who's kind of famous on LinkedIn, has gotten to the point of posting 10 times a day. I've probably posted five or six times a day at most mm -hmm. in my peak. And now wow. I'm usually just doing once a day. Yeah, impressive. Like it. And yeah, um, I agree about uh, failing. My son is uh, playing soccer as well. And uh, when he fails, I usually tell them, for me, it's hard to count how many times I failed in my life. <laughs> no, I can't 
count all these failures, some of them terrible, some of them slight failures, but I don't know how to get these skills <laughs> without failing. Uh, when you start something new, you always fail. Like kids, when they make the first step to say the first word, it's only failing, but uh, practice, improving step by step, you can get great results. It's the same with everything. And most uh, podcasters don't record more than uh, eight episodes because they can't get results. I don't know how to get results with eight episodes. <laughs> if Mr. Beast filmed videos for 18 months to get 1,000 subscribers, how you can win with uh, a podcast without having this experience? If you have experience like Joe Rogan uh, in films, in movies, uh, to get a loyal audience, probably you can win fast, but you need to have this background. You need to have a loyal audience. For most of us, we need to deserve <laughs> this audience. Then, can you tell about failing uh, or least mistakes that marketers still do that you can see and your tips how to find another way? Gosh, so many failures. Or so many, there's so many mistakes that I've made that I see happening all the time. Um, I'd see the big one. The big one today is around content marketing. Most people aren't focused on building an audience. They're just focused on publishing content. They're not mm -hmm. thinking about how to build, actually use your content to get more subscribers. Um, and you know what? Let me let me be even more specific. Like if I could go back to 10 years ago and talk to my 10 year, like 10 year ago self, I'm like the one piece of advice I would give uh, Dan Sanchez back then when I was still trying to grow that university I talked about earlier, who'd say, hey, Set aside 10% of your paid budget to get leads and use that to grow an audience somewhere. You're going to need it someday. It's like saving 10% of your budget for a rainy day. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're going to need that. <laughs> the, the easiest way to grow an audience is through paid media, provided you're putting out good content that retains their attention, right? Because if you're not putting out good content, then, well, you can pay all day, but they're going to come listen to an episode or read one newsletter or read one blog post and blitz because they're not going to want to come back for more of that but provided that you're writing good things that addresses their pain points and the things that they're interested in you're going to retain that audience sure you'll have some churn but you'll retain them if you're setting aside just a small portion of your budget and i could i think you can go as high as 20 percent of your paid budget um going after the rest of the funnel to actually build an audience today while you get uh qualified leads uh that are ready to buy now i think you need to do both um, so that's like the one big thing that I think people are just missing out on. They're dumping all their money, all their budget, and all almost all their effort too into the 10% of the funnel that's ready to buy now, totally ignoring the 90%. But that 90%, they're probably going to buy next month in the next quarter and the next year, and you're doing almost nothing to reach them now. Yeah, believe that's a mistake. Love it. Yeah, I got it. Believable. And then I have my final question. It's a common question. I always ask all my guests and uh, because my audience wants to know how to learn from scratch. Uh, uh, you know, I, I cooperate with customers uh, and if I see someone doesn't understand what I do, I usually, I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Google, learn from YouTube, uh, find your live informant, just get the basic. 
you need to understand what you wanna order. Wanna SEO results, then you need to understand why we need to create high quality content, uh, why it's better to uh, get uh, white hat uh, link building, and uh, many uh, the same is insights. And uh, uh, students who are looking for ways how to start learning and to become an expert in one day. If you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, it's your first day <laughs> in uh, podcast, in uh, content reach. What will you do if you do from, from scratch? From, I have to learn everything I know about marketing today. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is an easy one because this is the one thing that I'm like, dang. I, one of the last channels I learned as a marketer is podcasting. And I wish it had been my first because it would have made my whole career way easier. So if I were to go back and be like, okay, here's everything you need to know about marketing. Other people know it. The problem is it's hard to get it's hard to get their time because they're busy executing it and killing it, right? They're 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 bet they're the world's best marketers. Guess what? They'll give away all their time away for free if you just invite them on a podcast. <laughs> so trick: set up a free podcast on Anchor, and then create a Zoom account and uh, get a like a tidy cow account for like 20 bucks and just start in inviting people just come up with a name for your podcast called i don't know the strategic marketer or something and then just go ask all those marketers that are doing what you want to do for interviews about what they do and then you can be more specific later but if you just start a really simple near free podcast and just start interviewing them on all those things it's what i'm doing now about lead magnets right i'm learning about lead magnets I wish I would have just started this podcast thing just to purely learn and record the conversations and publish them. Not only do you get to learn at the feet of the masters who are actually in the trenches doing the thing, they're not, they almost always say yes, but you get the content and you get association with them and you get relationship with them. As in, if they're in the hiring process and you're asking them really smart questions and you got a maybe a stack of interviews, 10, 15 interviews behind you, they're like, oh, this person's, they're going to think this person is sharp because they're asking good questions. They're probably going to hire you. <laughs> like, like, that's <laughs> yeah. just how a podcasting works. It's a relationship building, content creating, and and learning machine. I wish I would have started with it because it's so easy to do. Awesome. Love it. Love it, Then It's a big pleasure uh, to get all these valuable bombs. You lead me to an emergency room. I need to spend time to think how to adapt all these ideas. I agree about podcasts. Uh, I love this format, but I usually tell my audience to find the channel that you like. For example, if you love, like to read books, just read books. You know? If you like listen to other podcasts, listen to other podcasts. Don't force to specific channels because someone thinks it's good. I love podcasting. I can listen great podcasts. I can listen to audio books. Uh, but uh, I think it's better to find your loving channel and practice without practice, nothing works. Uh, you can learn a lot, but if you do nothing, you get nothing. Uh, and I recommend factor to podcasting for sure. And I've recommended to many people who are too afraid to get in front of the mic. I, I don't know. I still can't get around how many, how many success factors there are to it in your learning, in your networking, in your content creation ability. It's just too many factors. I'm like, so I just keep pushing on it. I'm like, ah, okay, so you're afraid to get on it. I'm like, I'm going to push you towards it anyway. <laughs> so hopefully a few people are like, I've been on the edge. I'm like, yep, keep going. Start a podcast. You won't regret it. Nice, nice. Uh, and I want to recommend one more channel. You need to subscribe to Dan Sanchez podcast. 
to keep learning from him because you can see a lot of value. You need to subscribe to his newsletter to keep learning, reading and get new valuable insights. Then tell the best way how to reach out to you, how to follow you, how to connect with you. Uh, danchez.com you can find the newsletter you can find the podcast but if you want my my top content my top tidbit that's the easiest to consume to get wins quickly i have an audience growth checklist if you go to danchez.com checklist you'll get it's it's a checklist with like the seven things that i walk my clients through in order to actually start growing an audience today it's combined with videos so it's almost like a mini video course too um, but if you go to danchez.com slash checklist, you'll, you can get a hold of that resource. It's the best way to get started with my content. Nice. Awesome. I'm going to do it. I need it. I need it for my clients, for myself, for my projects. Guys, I recommend to anyone to do it as well. Okay. Then it's a big pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again. Love it. It's fun, valuable guys. Thanks a lot for spending time and listening and watching with us. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.